Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my guest is Christine Renee, and Christine is a shamanic Reiki practitioner and trainer. She practices and trains people in Reiki, and she is a chakra coach. She has her own podcast called Reiki Cafe Radio, and she also has Reiki Cafe University, where she trains advanced practitioners and mentors them on Reiki and shamanic healing practices. When I came into this episode, I had so many questions for Christine, like what is Reiki? What is the philosophy, the benefits? What should I expect from a first session? Who can become a Reiki practitioner? What makes an awesome Reiki practitioner? How do I find one? What are shamanic tools and shamanic practices? And so much more. Christine delivered and answered all of these questions. And I have to say that the first Reiki session I had was probably about 20 years ago. And since I recorded this episode, I had a Reiki session with someone here locally in Denver, Colorado. And it was amazing. It was therapeutic. I came away feeling really restful and restored, but I had all these takeaways and insights and there was some healing that happened. So I don't think you can grasp until you experience this modality. And so I hope that this satisfies a little curiosity that you have around this topic. So if you're enjoying these episodes, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe. And I want to thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next Thursday. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, good morning, Christine. I'm so excited to have you today on the Connected Community Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to talk about Reiki. You're like everything in the world of Reiki. Um, and you're a Reiki teacher, a Reiki coach, and a chakra coach. And so what is that for people that aren't familiar with those terms? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of terms just thrown in there, right? So let's start with the basics. What What is Reiki? And this is a really common question. And I love describing it because the way I do it really kind of brings it back to its roots. And so when we hear Reiki, it's actually, this is a Japanese healing modality. And so the word Reiki is actually two different kanji. So these are two different word pictures and we can split them apart. We have Rei and we have Ki. And Ki, we actually hear all the time. Ki and Chi are the same thing. So we hear Qigong or Tai Chi, and it's just a different way to move energy. That Chi is the energy part. So it's this life force energy that's in all things, right? So we hear Chi all the time. But Rei is what makes the Reiki special. Reiki is the divine intelligence or the spiritually guided or the Holy Spirit, whatever the term feels right for you, because we're really trying to translate it into these Western concepts. So we take that spiritually guided life force energy. So it has this divine intelligence to it. So it knows exactly where the life force energy is needed. Is it needed on the body? body, mind, or spirit? Is it for your physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual well-being? Like it knows. And that's the real beautiful thing. The practitioner who's offering the Reiki gets to step out of the way, let the ego go aside and just be this conduit for this energy to flow through. And the, the energy itself knows where it's needed. And so the practitioner's job is just to follow where it wants to go and not think about it. 
And I think that's the beauty of Reiki. So it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. We don't need any information. It's just, all right, surrender and let the energy flow. So that's what Reiki is. And so I've been a Reiki teacher for many years. Um, I got my Reiki master teacher training back in 2004. My dad was doing Reiki when I was a kid and he planted some seeds so that when I became an adult, I was like, oh yes, I'm totally <laughs> wanting to do this. And I got trained at a birth center um, while I was learning how to do midwifery. So I was in women's care work. So we have we have this Reiki that's been with me for a long time. And then as I developed my own practice, I became a chakra expert. So there's your next term, like what mm-hmm. the heck is a chakra? And the chakras are these energy centers within the body and they correspond with the nerve plexi within us. So for example, the solar plexus chakra is right below our sternum where our ribs come together. And there's actually nerve bundles there, right? So we have the physiology of where these chakras reside. And the word chakra comes from Sanskrit as and it's translated into wheel. So we have these energy wheels, these energy centers that are flowing into one another. And they really go hand in hand with each other. You can't separate one chakra out from all the rest. They're really great way of a lens to look through to see what emotional, physical, spiritual issues are coming up and going, okay, so here's this physical ailment. I wonder if I work on this emotional aspect of the chakra, the physical ailment will heal. And so this is a really beautiful way to kind of view healing and to see through how we can get these these chakras to come into balance so that we feel in harmony, we feel in balance. And so Reiki is one healing technique that really supports chakra wellness and health. Wait, what other terms am I missing? Because there's a couple um, that you threw out in the beginning. Well, so sh- shamanic, and I, and I know a lot oh, of these yeah. terms, but my, my listeners might not. Um, and I think some of them sound a little scary, like people hear shamanic and then they, they, I don't know where they go with their head. Um, so what does that mean to you to be a shamanic practitioner? Yeah, no, this is a great question. So shamanic really means that you're tuning into nature, that you're understanding a a piece of shamanism, which is very common is the animism. And animism is really where we believe that everything has energy. So my computer has its own energy. My desk has its own energy. The chair has energy. And these these inanimate objects actually have energy, personality, and needs, right? And so when we can start from a shamanic point of view, understand that all of life, the rock and the person both have energy, they both have emotion. Then we approach life not from a hierarchical point of view, mm-hmm. right? And so, as a shamanic practitioner, oftentimes our job is to help the individual release. Reiki is really great at coming in and pulling in all this beautiful love and light energy. But the shamanic side of the practice is how can we have the individual release, 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 release the limiting beliefs, release the energetic cords that are binding you to your past or to your past partner or to whatever is not allowing you to come into your full alignment, to your full health and wellness, to your full potential and your higher self in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. So the shamanic side of things really allows 
you to connect with your spirit guides, your power animals, with the sense of nature that everything is spiritual. Everything is a dream, if you will, Mm -hmm. that we're dreaming both at nighttime and in the daytime, and we can create, make manifest using shamanic tools. Mm -hmm. What shamanic tools do you use? Um, I, I, I use a variety. Um, I love my shamanic drum. Um, so my drum is basically a conduit to help you move your brain into this theta wave. And that theta wave is mm-hmm. that space that we're naturally in right when we wake up in the morning, right before we fall asleep. And it's that dreamlike state, but you're still consciously aware. And so the drum allows you to go into that state without plant medicine, without, um, doing it in the middle of the day when your brain naturally isn't there. So it's a really beautiful tool so that you can go into more of a natural trance state to connect easier to your guides, to your plant medicine guide or your power animal guide or your, even your business guide, you know? So, um, -hmm. we have a lot of spirit helpers and using the drum helps us connect there. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have the drum, we have feathers and rattles and other tools as well. So a feather brushes off. So once again, shamanic is release, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So the, the feather helps us remove energy from the body that needs is ready to be swept away. Um, another shamanic tool might be, um, like crystals. We hear about crystals all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And so crystals are a really great way where we're honing in on the energy of that specific specific molecular construction that vibrates at a certain frequency that, and so you can, so there's like the science behind it a bit, Mm -hmm. and then we can utilize it in our shamanic practices. So we might be using black tourmaline when we want to release and absorb into a a crystal, or we might be using a selenite wand to help raise the person's vibration. We might be using a um, crystal quartz, which is the healer's crystal to help in the healing process during a shamanic review session. So Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of tools and really anything can be a shamanic tool. I can go outside and find a stick and go, I'm going to utilize this. I'm going to use it, utilize this in tool with intention. And voila, Mm -hmm. you have a shamanic tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to dive into this topic of spirit um, guides. I have had, it's funny, I've had a lot of guests lately and the spirit guides is coming up a lot. Um, and I've had a recent ayahuasca experience and I'm in this ayahuasca plant medicine community and there's a lot of talk about spirit guides. Um, so when you're doing your Reiki, are you working with your spirit guides or other people's spirit guides? Both. And you know, in traditional Reiki, spirit guides aren't a thing. Like it's very much traditional Reiki goes back to release attachment, release all of the things and come into this centered, meditative, quiet space. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring in the shamanic, that's when you've got the power animals, the spirit guides, the helpers. And so oftentimes um, I'll have my specific guides to be with me. Like I have specific um, spirit helpers that are specifically there for healing. And then we have universal power animals that are there for healing. So, and then that we have the archangels that may or may not show up depending on what the client needs. And then oftentimes I'll be discussing with clients, guardian angels or clients, power animals. It's really kind of like I go into the studio session and I'm like, I'm open to whoever is ready to help in this client's healing. It might be my guides. It might be their guides. It might be the archangels. 
And it's, it's really fun. And the fact that who shows up tells me a lot about what the client needs. Mm-hmm. You know, so if Archangel Raphael shows up, she's the Archangel of healing. I'm like, oh, it's going to be that kind of session. We're going to do some mm-hmm. deep healing work today. But it's going to be different if, let's say, Archangel Michael shows up and he's got his big sword and he's ready to cut some things. And then Archangel Eagle, or not Archangel, Master Healer Eagle will show up and, and wants to do a soul retrieval, right? So we have all of these different guides that have their different, unique personalities and skill sets and tools, and they show up when it's needed. And sometimes mm-hmm. it is the clients, their mother passed years back or um, a, a loved one or their own spirit guides. I've met plenty of guardian angels that have shown up for their clients and going, I have a message for them. And I'm like, but we're doing Reiki right now. And they're like, no, no, you need it. You need to stop the session. I have messages. And I'm like, okay, this, I'm here for the client. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I go in with a lot of um, non-attachment of what is supposed to, it's supposed to look like because I never know. And if I try to insert what I think, quote unquote, think should happen, that's just me putting my ego on the client. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes when I see clients, I don't want to know their backstory. I'm like, because if you tell me anything, my ego is going to get in the way and be like, okay, we're working right. on heart chakra today and I've got to do this Reiki symbol and it's got to look this way. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that influence um, in the session. I really want to see what organically needs mm-hmm. to come up and be revealed and have that dialogue with the client that's organic. Mm-hmm. So if somebody were to walk into a Reiki session and they've never had one before and they had really no clue what they were walking into, mm-hmm. my first question would be, what kind of things do people come to a Reiki practitioner for? And then, um, and I've experienced Reiki, but for somebody that's coming in, can you tell them a, a little bit about what to expect? Yeah, absolutely. So it's very um, relaxing. It's very meditative. And so just that alone, if you're stressed out, if you're exhausted, if you are feeling strain, emotional discourse in your life, whatever that looks like, Reiki's great for you. Um, we also have a, a lot of clients come and get introduced to Reiki when they have physical ailments that the medical industry hasn't been able to figure out. Western medicine isn't capable of of providing the solution. And so Reiki is a complementary therapy. So it's not stop seeing your doctor. Don't do that Mm -hmm. anymore. It's more of like, this is going to help prepare your body for whatever Western medicine can like actually do for you. And sometimes there's so much of a, an emotional healing component with Reiki that, um, in the session, all kinds of emotions can come up to be released. I've had clients cry and I've had clients laugh and I've had clients, clients just pause. I need to run to the bathroom. Like whatever it is, it's like whatever your body, your spirit needs to do in order to heal, let's come there. And so it really Reiki is for everyone. It is from your newborn baby all the way up until the dying process. There's a place for Reiki in everything and every part of life and not just in the Reiki studio, which is why I love teaching Reiki. So when we can learn how to incorporate Reiki and these concepts into our daily life, we have healing available to us at all times. And how is it to walk through life knowing that you have a spiritual support team with you, that you have these tools and techniques to um, incorporate these healing lifestyles and have it be very nurturing to your 
really your nervous system. Like I think the, mm-hmm. the wonderful thing about Reiki is it allows you to go into this parasympathetic nervous system state so that your body can rest, digest, heal. And we live in a society where our nervous system is so on overdrive mm-hmm. that there's no space. Like how often is our anxiety through the roof that we can't even sleep well? And right. so our parasympathetic nervous system is so fried. Our nervous system is so fried that it can't allow us to go into that parasympathetic state. And mm-hmm. so right there alone, like everyone needs Reiki in my opinion, at least the Reiki level one class, like learning how to do Reiki for yourself as a self-healing tool. I think everyone should have it. So like my children have Reiki. I've taught children classes because I'm like, we could just start <laughs> with having some basic tools in our toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the world would be a better place. Mm-hmm. So when people come in, do they need a specific intention or can they literally just walk in and say, I'm ready to receive whatever comes up? That's Mm -hmm. totally it. So I'm ready to receive, I'm ready for healing. And you know, the, the basics are you're walking in, you're staying fully dressed. This isn't a massage. There is no Mm -hmm. tissue manipulation. So keep in mind that you're going to be lying on a massage table and that you're going to be fully dressed, probably have a blanket over you to keep you warm and comfortable. There's going to be probably some soft meditative music going on in the background. And a lot of times people fall asleep because Mm. what we're doing is saying, all right, nervous system, it's time to relax. And many people, I would say about 25% of people on average fall asleep. And And they probably can't sleep any other place, but they get on your table and they fall asleep. (laughs) Exactly. And then some people have um, other kinds of nervous system reactions. Like some people have like twitching or jolting or eye twitches. And it's just this body is like release, release, release. Like it's ready to reset. And so it can look very different to different people. And when you feel Reiki for the first time, it just feels like a wash of really calm, blissful energy. Mm -hmm. And you might feel heat where the, the hands are either gently touching or hovering over the body. Mm-hmm. Some people will have um, feel tingling or other sensations. It can even feel painful if you're working on a spot that really has had a lot of what I would call energy congestion. So let's say there's a lot of inflammation in someone's shoulder and I'm working on it and it can be like I'm pulling out all of the inflammation and tension and, and dis-ease and hyphenate mm-hmm. the word dis-ease in the body. And in doing so, it can feel like a, a pretty intense. And so this is where, you know, I'm using those shamanic Reiki skill sets to have the client breathe through the process, know that they are completely safe, that this is part of their healing process and allow it to release. I've seen bones heal within 48 hours. You know, like I've, I've seen all kinds of stuff at this point in my Reiki practice. And I just know, and I trust, and I believe so much in Reiki that whatever you are ready to heal and at what level of safety that you feel in the presence of your Reiki practitioner, that's the level in which you'll heal. Mm -hmm. And so if you are fully ready, if you're like, yes, I absolutely I'm ready for this. I want my life to change. I'm ready for my emotional healing, my physical healing. I'm just done. Let's do this. Those can be some really big, significant sessions. Like we're moving a lot of energy. We're helping those chakras come back into balance. We're releasing energetic cords. We're, we're doing whatever the body and the mind can, can handle. 
right? So it's never going to be more than the client can handle. Sometimes mm-hmm. you fall asleep and you take a lovely nap for 15 minutes <laughs> and and it, you just feel calmer. Like I, even as doing Reiki regularly as my full-time practice, mm-hmm. I still receive Reiki from others. I typically get a Reiki session once a week and it's part of my, part of my self-care. To not not only do daily self-care Reiki practice for myself, I'm laying my hands on myself and allowing this energy to flow. It moves in through the crown chakra. It fills your body up and then overflows out your hand. And then I just bring it back to myself. But even then it's like, I want to go and have practice on me. I want the energy from another practitioner. And one of the things I just love is that you can feel like you're at this level of anxiety or this level of um, tension and you're not even aware of it. And then you have this Reiki session done and the next couple of days are just like so much lighter. <laughs> it feels so much, yeah. oh, that was a breath of fresh air. I can have, I come back into a state of full gratitude. Um, I can, I'm ease, less triggered by others by having those regular Reiki sessions. So, you know, healing is never done. I think people think that, you know, healing is a one and done thing. I'm going to go in for my Reiki session and I'm going to be healed. And I'm like, we have a lot of layers, (laughs) a lot lot of layers and a lot of limiting beliefs within us. So if you're don't believe that healing is possible, guess what? The universe is going to provide that experience for you. And so when you're actually ready and it can be slow and steady healing, I have a lot of clients that see me regularly for six months a year. Like, and that's okay. And then I have other clients that are like slam, bam, thank you, ma'am type sessions. And I'm like, wow, it was like 10 sessions in one. And I, as the practitioner have no judgment over, over what your healing needs to look like. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are the core principles and beliefs behind the Reiki system where the origin of disease, dis ease (laughs) is? So Part of it is that, you know, it comes from Japan and you have to really understand Japanese culture and and a hundred years ago when this system was developed. And so here we have this Buddhist monk who is practicing mountain aestheticism, meaning mountain worship. And so he goes to the top of the mountain and he fasts for 21 days, meaning he is coming to the point in his his Buddhist practice to fully surrender so that he may reach enlightenment. And so in this process, he's willing to die to receive the supernatural healing powers to whatever needs to come to him. And that's when the gift of Reiki shows up. So he's he's not necessarily coming from a point of trying to come up with a philosophy or a system of training. Like that wasn't the necessary intention. But once the gift was received, he started healing right away. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sensei Asui, teacher Asui, he came down the mountain and he started healing others. And he had so many people, like it, it kind of, it, the system of Reiki developed out of a need. He was teaching others because the healing was needed. Really soon after he came down from the mountain, there was a major earthquake in his village. And everyone needed healing. And so the fastest and the easiest way to do that was to share this gift to his students, to his to others, so that they could offer healing as well. He couldn't be the one-man show. Mm-hmm. And so 
it, the systems of Reiki really were developed out of a need and a desire rather than the intention before it. Like there was no intention, like I've got to create this system. It was a system, a gift from the universe. And then he having this tool going, well, how can we honor this energy? How can we spread this healing to the world? And that's when the system was developed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, you know, Japanese culture, there's, there's so much of watch me do it this way type energy. There's not a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. There's like observe nature, see how in flow it is, see how it's not attached to anything. Mm-hmm. Be like, be like the tree, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's a very different culture and society in which Reiki was developed. And that's why after all of these many decades and now a century has passed and we have all of these different branches in the Reiki tradition, because really we were trying to figure out how we can make it for the Western world. You know, so Reiki was after World War II, Reiki really had to go underground. You know, this was, uh, um, Reiki was, came out in the 1920s. And soon after, here we go, we have this Reiki system being developed and mm-hmm. then World War II breaks out and it, it is shut down in Japan. It goes completely underground. It hasn't really come out for like half a century Interesting. You know, in Japan. So it, w- it, it came by the way of one of the st- students of the students of Asui was um, a Japanese American who was living in Hawaii. And she was the one who brought it to the West, but she got taught in the 1930s, 1940s, and she didn't even start teaching until 1970 because she's a Japanese American with this very esoteric practice, right? So there's a lot to um, the way it has come into the West and how Westerners approach Reiki and how we can understand Reiki through the practice of, in which it was delivered to us. You know, so there's, a, there's a, quite a bit of background to really answer that, mm-hmm. that question. But does that, does that make sense? Well, I'm just wondering if it's like removing blockages. Um, I always think that trauma or our mind, the, the, the shoulds and the, the supposed tos that are kind of layered on us as we, as we age. Um, negatively impact us and imprint us. And it's kind of shedding out those beliefs that don't serve us, that don't necessarily originate from us. And then also these traumas that we hold in our body that um, prevent us from like our light shining. And so I always think of Reiki as kind of removing those. I'm curious your thoughts on that. And I'm also Mm -hmm. curious um, if you could move, remove traumas that are sitting in the body without necessarily having to process them verbally at all. Okay. I love those questions. So first, <laughs> the removal, the removal, the release, the, the shedding of those limiting beliefs, that's really the practice of Reiki coaching or shamanic Reiki. Reiki in and of itself mm-hmm. has no attachment to the story. And so right. a traditional Reiki practitioner would be like, go meditate go release, release all the thoughts. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. in Japan, that would be like part of their culture. Of course, I can go sit outside and meditate in the the garden. Like they're everywhere, you know, be mindful. That's all very um, part of the culture in Japan, which doesn't resonate with 
Westerners. It doesn't resonate with Americans. They need a to-do list. They can't mm-hmm. just say, stop thinking about that limiting belief. Like it doesn't work for us. Right. And that's why I love the way I personally practice and how I support my Reiki community is that we really get into understanding what are energetic cords? Where do those limiting beliefs come from? How can we go back to our childhood traumas that really developed into these fears and these these behaviors and these limiting patterns and self-sabotaging behavior that we all know so well, mm-hmm. right? So in the Reiki coaching and the shamanic Reiki techniques, we can really dive into some of those layers to understand how we can use the Reiki symbols to travel into the past to heal it. So the Reiki is the foundation of everything that I do, which provides this love and light healing supportive energy. But it's the shamanic practices that help release. It's the Mm -hmm. coaching that where we get to speak through it. And for some, Reiki in and of itself is enough. So Mm -hmm. that answers kind of the second question, like, can, do we need to talk through it? Right. Oftentimes, many of us need that. They need the the vocal processing, which is why Reiki coaching is really lovely or going to a therapist before or after a Reiki session, you know, before it kind of tills everything up and brings the trauma to the surface and the Reiki can do what it can to help heal and soothe it. And then you go to therapy and really talk it out. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. thinking of Reiki, once again, as a complementary therapy to whatever other work that you're doing, whether you're seeing a shamanic Reiki practitioner who has these tools to help release the cord. So let's take that an example. So let's say you have a, well, I'll give you an example. I had a client who had, came in and she was limping. She had this se- severe hip pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's going on in your world? You weren't this bad the last time I saw you. And she's like, oh, my I need to finalize my divorce and he refuses to sign the papers and da, 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 da. And so I start the, I start the, the Reiki session. She gets on the table. We put on the music. I have her breathe a couple nice full deep breaths and I'm feeling down into that hip and I can energetically feel as if there was an intrusive object, like a spear into her hip. And I'm like, Ooh, someone threw this at you. Who was that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I can, in my shamanic practices, I can help remove it. And when mm-hmm. I remove it, I bring it down to the earth and ask for it to be composted. That sphere was energetically transformed into sunflowers. So I had sunflowers like here, instant composting, instant beauty from whatever we're ready to release. It's a, a sign that, yes, you're on the right path. And in that process, I'm going noticing how the hip, this is your right hip, your right side is your masculine energy side. And so we have this hip pain, which is prohibiting us from moving into our future, having this flexibility to Mm -hmm. say, yes, I'm moving forward, the hip pain, right? Yeah. And I'm like, so who's inhibiting you from moving forward? Mm -hmm. My ex-husband. She has, (laughs) you know, right? So she's talking it out. We're having the energetic release. She's yeah. able to to connect the dots of going, I have this hip pain because I'm giving my power over to my ex who, yeah. right? We're giving up part of who we are and letting them control our behavior because we're sitting in that fear of whatever it may mm-hmm. be. And, and in doing so, 
by having this healing process of having the full release and having the visual of it composting and transforming instantaneously, she can come off the table fully empowered in her truth of going, I no longer accept anyone else's energetic influence over my life that doesn't serve my highest purpose and path. Mm -hmm. And then she can go forward and go into the, she can go travel and go in that courtroom fully in alignment with her truth so that she can't be energetically manipulated. So there's all those little pieces. Had she come in and be like, well, I still love him and he can do whatever he wants. Like if, right. You're not going to heal from that. You're You're going to have that. (laughs) You're going to keep that sphere. So I think that's a really great example of how you can see all of the different layers of possible healing when you kind of mix these modalities together. Yeah. It's funny because I'm, I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm not that woo woo. And then I'm like really grounded in like science and things like that. Um, and then all my friends are like, you're totally woo. Um, but I, I, I'm almost like a believer in like, if I don't see it or experience it myself, I don't believe it. So I'm a skeptic with a lot of things, but I have to say that I recently had a shamanic healing. Um, and somebody did, they did a cord cutting and I, even when it was happening, I'm thinking this is bullshit. Um, it was not, it was not, um, so much so that the, the moment after that day, when I encountered that person, they felt the cord cutting, they felt it, they energet, like they, completely felt it. It was, it was definitely something there. And then in that same vein, I had something stuck in my fifth chakra, um, and they removed it. And I have, I've had it there since I was little. And, uh, and they, in that same shamanic healing, removed that again, when it's happening, I'm calling bullshit. Like this isn't real. That is gone. That anxiety, that all of it is gone. Um, and so I, there is, I just find it so fascinating. So like, how do you, how do you work with skeptics? Like, like me, like I'm, I'm a believer and I'm not a believer. And like, if somebody came into you and they're really skeptical and, and, and science doesn't explain everything, science doesn't explain Reiki. Um, but if you have that experience and you walk away and you've experienced a lifting of something, um, then you can't dispute that. So how do you work with the skepticism? Um, Gently, <laughs> right? Because um, who am I to um, try to convince someone, right? Like I don't have a lot of ego involved. Like if you don't want to believe Reiki, if this isn't your thing, I'm not going to push anyone into it. So first off, I'm like, you don't want if you want to try it, great. But I want you mm-hmm. to come in with an open heart and an open mind. Otherwise, you and yourself, if you are really solidly like, I don't believe this. It won't work. It won't work, yeah. right? So what you're just going to waste my time and energy and and my training if I'm going to try to convince you, right? Right. So part of me is like everything upon your spiritual journey is going to show up when you're ready for it, mm-hmm. and so the it's just like this when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. I believe the same thing for when people are discovering Reiki, when they're discovering these healing modalities, whether it's tuning forks or song bowls or whatever it may be, whatever you're ready for is going to present itself. Your your spirit guides, your guardian angels, your helpers are going to put you on a path that's going to help you in your journey. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have a lot of egoic space that I'm going to try to convince somebody. 
And at the same time, there is a lot of science out there. So I'm like, go look it up. Go Mm -hmm. look at how many hospitals are now incorporating Reiki into their healing process Mm -hmm. because it works. There's like a hundred hospitals and in the US that do it. So it's part of me is like, it's not my place. When you're ready, you will, Mm -hmm. you will come and try it. Great. And so I, I don't have a lot of like, everyone's got to, everyone has to believe in me. I'm like, no, that's yeah. your journey. That's your story. And you're welcome to walk it. You, if you want to be a skeptic, how is that working for your healing process? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I do. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I want to get back to the spirit guides um, because this is my uh, point of interest lately because sure. it keeps appearing in my life over and over and over again. How do we more deeply tap in with our own spirit guides? How do I discern between my thoughts? And I know that um, spirit guides are kind, as I've learned that recently. Like their spirit guides aren't going to be blasting you with negative thoughts and and um, and feelings. But how do I discern between my thoughts and my guides and my intuition? That's a great, great question. So I would say the first step is to give gratitude, like set your intention and and then have gratitude. Those two are the key pieces to interacting with your spirit guides and your spirit helpers. So when we can say, wake up in the morning, do our little, even one minute of quiet tuning in breathing and just say, my intention today is to be aware of the spirit guides around me who love me and only wish for my support and in my blessings. You're setting the intention. Today, Mm. this is going to happen. And then as you walk through the day, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Thank you for showing me the feather. Thank you for showing, showing up in my car when I turned on the radio and my favorite song was on. Thank you for like, thank you. Thank you. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And what happens is when you give attention and energy to your spirit guides in this way, they're like, finally, she's paying attention. Finally, I have, I, I'm going to, I'm going to show her. And so it becomes a process where you start out with this, this gratitude, this connection of just having the intention and watching for signs Mm -hmm. to then building up to, I'm ready to communicate and giving yourself that time and space to do the work. So this isn't when you're, um, doing the dishes or having a side conversation with your kiddo. This is where you are literally turning off the lights, perhaps you're turning on some type of music that brings you into that theta wave, like the drum that I mentioned in the beginning, yeah. you're putting on specific music and you're setting your attention once again. I w- my intention is to connect with my spirit guide. My primary spirit guide is who I want to connect with. And in that intention of honing in on one specific entity, because guess what? You probably have a dozen spirit guides. You have mm-hmm. roomfuls. Right. And so it can be very confusing in the beginning of who am I speaking with? Mm-hmm. Um, because they might have different voices and different personalities. And then your e- like your mind and your ego get in the way, like, oh, I can't be, I can't have that many. Or what is that voice saying? Or you're just, um, we have to do the personal healing work at the same time. And I really mm-hmm. believe in healing the inner childhood wounds because oftentimes those negative self-talk that we have in our brain belongs to our mother, belongs to the bully from high school or middle school or whatever it is. So we have to do the healing work at the same time or even prior to, to really get our mind clear of all of that negative clutter and going that those are ghosts from my past. And when we can clear out the ghosts from our past, 
and really hit the unsubscribe button to the negative self-talk, then we can open up to having this dialogue clear and sure with our spirit guides. And they are Mm -hmm. there and they want to help. But if we have that negative self-talk still in our head, Mm -hmm. it's going to really combat with our spirit guides. And so we've got to do the healing work. Yeah, And I think part of that too, is that when we start on our healing journeys, when we're saying, I'm willing to surrender, when I'm willing to look at my stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hard, when I'm willing yeah. to not, no longer be a victim and be in that victimhood role and going, I'm taking responsibility for my healing. It wasn't my fault, but it is my responsibility to heal. Yeah. Then your spirit guides are going to show up. And so even if it's not direct communication, they're going to put the magazine that you need to read or the book in front of you or yeah. the the resources that you need or whatever it may be they'll 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 be available to you to help you set the stones to move forward because our job is to learn the lesson and if we don't learn the lesson our spirit guides are just going to hit the repeat button yeah tell yeah. we learn it <laughs> yeah i'd like to highlight two things that you said one was um and you and other people have, 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 have said this, I keep hearing this, like our spirit guides are kind. They're not the ones that are going to bombard us with those negative thoughts. Um, and having heard that recently, like anytime I have one of those negative thoughts pop in, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not coming from, um, that, that's one of those self-imposed, like, or, or it came from someone else, that yeah. thought, and it doesn't serve me. And so I immediately like knock it out. Like, I'm like, that's, that's not great. my guides. That's not my guides. That's negative. My guides would not be that mean. Um, and just kind of like almost like brush it away. That's something I've been doing recently. And it's, it's been, it's been really cool. Um, to, and it takes a lot of mindfulness <laughs> and, and yeah. repeat, repeating. Absolutely. I call that thought catching where we're yeah. taking our thoughts. And as it comes in going, this isn't, this isn't belong here. Yeah. Or it's and not serving so- me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of it is our subconscious is designed to keep us safe. Yeah. So when the subconscious mind, who is what is full of our past, including our childhood traumas and all of those negative beliefs that we adhered from culture, our society, our institutionalized systems, like all of the things. And Mm -hmm. so it keeps showing up because it knows anything that you do to change subconsciously we don't know if we're going to survive. And so our subconscious is holding on tight to continue to be the same so yeah. that it doesn't, um, it doesn't have the opportunity to die. It knows that if we just repeat the past, we'll live. Our subconscious is to help us survive and not thrive. And so when we start thought catching, then we can kind of go, guess what? Not today. You can sit in the back seat. You don't get to be in the driver's. You don't get yeah. to be in the driver's seat. I'm driving this car. And yeah. I'm going to say, we're going to make a new choice today and we're going to do something different. And we're going to give you new evidence that we can make these changes. And yeah. when we do, then we have a new track record and it gets easier and easier and easier to take new steps and new, new opportunities and new risks and new ch- choices to yeah. prove to our subconscious that we don't have to live in fear. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I love that you said is is gratitude, and it makes me remember that one year I made a commitment, and I did it on Facebook. I'm not a super social media person, but I did it to keep myself accountable, where every day I would post a picture, and with that, it would have a gratitude post. It could be a picture of my tea. It could be a picture, you know what I mean? And um, and I found that that, that 
made me think about what I was grateful for all day long. Um, it kept me accountable and that the gratitude was like breeding more gratitude. Like the more I expressed the gratitude, the more I was able to see it, the more I was able to find it in, in my daily life. And so with that, I'll make a commitment to do that again this year, um, or challenge other, you know, any of my listeners to do that is, is and publicly is a great way to do it is I would do one slash three sixty five, and it would be, you know, what I was grateful for in that day. And there were days that were dark and difficult that I had trouble finding gratitude, but I was able to, and it kind of brightened, brightened the day. And I think, um, the more we are able to practice something like that and keep ourselves accountable, and it's really easy to slip, the more we're able to see the beauty in our, in our lives. So I really, I like Mm -hmm. that reminder for myself. Yeah. And gratitude is a really, um, inherent part of the Reiki practice. We have these five guiding principles and gratitude is one of them. They go just for today. I will not anger just for today. I will not worry just for today. I will do my work. Honestly, just for today, I will give thanks for my many blessings. And just for today, I'll be kind to all living things. And mm. so those, this was the one thing before Asui, Sensei Asui died that he was like, bring your hands to prayer pose every, before every morning and every evening and, and chant these words. Mm-hmm. And so this was the one thing he said, do regularly every day, twice a day. Like there's no, nothing else in the Reiki systems that say, practice this do it this way. There's no, he didn't come up necessarily with specific hand positions and how to do everything precise. This is what he told us. Mm -hmm. Be gratitude. Don't worry. Don't anger. Like be kind, be honest. It's simple. And you know, so much of those precepts, those principles come very close to the emperors at the time, his philosophy for the culture of Japan, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, it's very it's very interesting to see those crossovers and um and they lead us you know as a reiki practitioner this is when um this is this should be our our golden rules right and so i i mm-hmm. really enjoy practicing the precepts living the precepts to the best of my ability we all feel anger we all feel worry and that's okay it's what we don't want to do is to suppress it and let it explode later is mm-hmm. to, to feel it emotionally, process it and release it, let it go so that we're not stuck in that energy. And then we can come back just for this moment. I don't need to be angry just for this moment. I don't mm-hmm. need to worry. I'm safe. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're very guiding for your Reiki practice. Mm-hmm. So anybody can become a Reiki practitioner just as anybody can become a doctor. Um, and my guess is that a Reiki practitioner that's a solid, good Reiki practitioner has done their own work. They've, they've dove into their childhood, their, their thoughts, their perceptions, their ego, their like doing the deep dive, getting the work done, healing themselves and becoming that like clear vessel that doesn't have a ton of ego before they're actually like an awesome practitioner. And so how do you, how do you find somebody that's right? That's good. That's done the work. That's like, cause I imagine that you can find a Reiki practitioner that's only been doing it a year. That's super powerful. And then you can find someone that's been doing it for 20 years that hasn't done their own work that has a lot of ego. Um, and it, you're not meeting that same person. So how do you find that 
person? How do you see that in a in a in a practitioner? You're gonna you're gonna love this answer. So set your intention. Ask your guides to show you the right teacher. Mm-hmm. Let them bring you to the right person. Because I think when we are ready and we're listening and we're open, that teacher is going to show up. Mm-hmm. And then you know, one I really I do believe in interviews. I do believe like go check out their meditation class. Go listen to their podcast. Go go experience their energy and feel if it's the right fit. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we all have stuff. It's not that like I'm done healing. It's that I know how to set it aside and go, this is my time with my client. I'm fully available to be hold space in such a deep and compassionate way, whether it's a session or a class. And so it's not that I'm perfect. It's not that I'm perfectly healed. It's not that I'm better (laughs) than anyone else, (laughs) right? Like there is no done. It's how can you set it aside? to be fully available and present and not mm-hmm. let your ego show up. Yeah. So, and there are, there are some really beautiful young practitioners that they've been doing this for, for, you know, essentially a very short amount of time, but they are solid because they know how to get out of the way. <laughs> right. right. That, I think that's the point. Like, do they know how to get out of the way? Yeah. And you can trust your intuition. And oftentimes we will have the teacher that might not at, at the end going wow, I learned exactly what not to do. And yeah. it was still a learning experience. Yeah. Or right? I went to them and now I know that's not what I want. I want this. Yeah. And yeah. so know that it's all part of your spiritual journey. Um, I really love teaching in a space where I think the biggest thing for me is like, what's going to be the aftercare? <laughs> like, so you, you go into a Reiki class, you get uh, an Reiki attunement, which is the, our initiation process. The energy moves from the teacher to the student. And in that process, it can be very expansive and it can be shedding things a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. And what's the follow-up care with the, the teacher? Are they going to be mentoring you? Or are they going to check in on you? Or what's included in, your, in, your, in the class time? Is there some kind of integration support? Yeah. Right? Like my traditionally and the way I love to practice is more of a mentorship program. So a lot of people want to do this slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Go to Udemy, spend 20 bucks and become a Reiki practitioner. I'm like, no, <laughs> please don't do that. Please do not do that. And the reason being is because there should be a teacher student connection. There should be some sort of support and mentorship included. So even if I taught a six, seven, eight hour class, and that's all they paid for. If they had a spiritual crisis come up, whether it was two days later or two years later, I'm going to freaking answer my phone. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like I created Reiki Cafe community, my Facebook group to support my students because I had a teacher who literally gave me a very too short of class. It was like a three hour Reiki master's class. Mm -hmm. And then she was gone. You know, there was no follow-up. She left town. She changed her phone number. She changed her address. I had no way to get a hold of her. And I went, I am not doing it that way. Yeah. <laughs> that my biggest learning lesson was like, not like that. And so I did, when I started teaching, I developed my Facebook group to bring all of my students together. And what happened over many years is hundreds of students, not my students, hundreds of other students flowed into my group looking mm-hmm. for mentorship, mentorship, looking for support. 
And I was, I was there to create that space for them of going, of course, you're welcome here. Of course, I'll support you. And so we have Q and A's and we have new practitioner events and we have all of these things to support new Reiki practitioners to come in, whether you're specifically my student or not, because there needs to be that space. And we're in a day and age where Facebook groups are a great place to do that. We can connect with thousands of people who have the same issues coming up and we offer free webinars and our own podcast on Reiki Cafe Radio. Like we have so much support going on so that if you're on your Reiki journey and you are not getting the support from your Reiki teacher, even if you are, and you just want to bounce other ideas around Reiki Cafe community is a great space to be. Well, I imagine as a practitioner too, as any practitioner, um, especially in the energetic field, you have to learn how to not take on your client's pain. And so there's like, even if you're able as a practitioner to be able to like remove things and clear things, then there's that whole other aspect of not piling on to yourself and learning how to release that and how to protect your own energy and how to clear your own energy. Um, and that if you don't have that integration piece, then you can get stuck with other people's stuff. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Right. And so this is why the shamanic Reiki practitioner training that I offer is six months long. Mm -hmm. We do all of the inner healing work as well. We do the inner childhood work. We do the clairvoyance and the clairsentience and the clairaudience, all of that developmental work to understand how is this a spiritual gift and not a burden? Because mm-hmm. what you're describing is the empath who are, is taking it on as a burden. Yeah. That's not okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't need to be the person that takes it on. It's not my burden to bear. It's not yeah. my life. And so it oftentimes takes quite a bit of developmental, like spiritual developmental work to come into a place to naturally connect with our spirit guides, to do this work without the 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 support of plant medicine to do like release self-sabotaging behaviors to learn how to thought catch and transmute those thoughts that are coming into our mind and that's why i i love doing these bigger long 6 month containers so that mm-hmm. i can walk with them on this journey to help them personally heal and step into their true authentic self as a healing practitioner with all of these new, really mm-hmm. cool shamanic tools there so that you have Reiki as a foundation and you know how to clear and you know how to heal and you know how to help your clients do the same. Yes. And my hope is that all healers in the whole world do all of that because I, I think the people that are drawn to healing are sometimes the ones that are the deepest and the most um, empathic. And, um, and a lot of them I've realize have like these deep wounds and it is about clearing those out. Um, and then once you're able to do that, then I've seen some people turn into some powerhouses, um, because they're clear. And, and when you're not clear, then, then I'm guessing that there's just ego. There's ego in the way. Right. And so then you'll, you'll often find the practitioner who's egoic giving advice where it's outside their scope of practice or that's really from their past experience, but not actually you you just feel the heaviness of what they're bringing forward being covered in their stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If I am the practitioner telling you need to do X, Y, and Z, that's ego. Yeah. Giving the client options and going, here's what it's about. This is why it's important. And these are lots of different ways to heal. 
which one feels most appropriate for you and letting them decide. They're learning how to come into their empowerment. They're learning Mm -hmm. how to make choices in their life that are better for them. Because if I give a suggestion and it bounces up against their own um, limiting beliefs, yeah, they won't. They aren't going to do nothing. <laughs> well, there's no empowerment in that either. You're you're giving them the empowerment by letting them decide what's best for them, instead of imposing your own wishes. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you know, if you're becoming a Reiki teacher, some of this, so much of this isn't taught. You know, and so that's why I have. Reiki Cafe University, which really goes above and beyond what a typical Reiki class would look like. And that's why we need six months. We need six months to transform our lives. We need six months to come into our full empowerment and understanding of this. It's not something that you can do in an eight-hour class or a 20-hour Reiki teacher class. Like We can get to some of it, but so much of that time is focusing on the traditional teachings and, and how to... There's just so much. Like You can't fit it all in and a weekend training. Yeah. So uh, can you share all your different offerings and how people can connect with you and find with, find you? I, um, I have listened to your Reiki cafe and, uh, or was it Reiki radio? Reiki cafe radio. Reiki cafe radio. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, let's, um, if you could just share with people like how they can find you and connect with you and, and all your offerings. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So we do have Reiki Cafe Radio. It's our podcast. Basically, we're on pretty much all the social medias, um, pr- primarily Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and you can find us under, you know, the the um, the at Reiki Cafe University, and that's going to, you're going to find us. Um, if you are a Reiki practitioner, I highly recommend joining our Reiki Cafe community. And even if you're not, come join us because when you enter into the group, You'll also get, you'll also receive our 10 day catalyzed your healing workbook. So, and that's all based on the chakras. So it's a great beginner's freebie that you can do the journal prompts, do the exercises, even if you're not a Reiki practitioner. So there's, um, we'd love to have you in our space. Come check out Reiki Cafe Radio. It's a really great place to get a lot of that coaching and transformational type energy, becoming aware of what we need to heal um, there on that space too. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. This has and been fun. This has been fun. Absolutely. Did you, did you have something else you wanted to add? Well, I'm trying to like at ReikiCafeUniversity.com, you will find all of our um, one-on-one courses. So we have things for Reiki practitioners and things that are, are more general, like our chakra flow program. So if you are ready for healing, come check it out. Feel free to DM me on Facebook. That's probably the fastest way to get a hold of me. And we can chat up a conversation and see what is going to best fit your needs. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. I um, I didn't know where this was going to go, and and um, but I I love you. I love your energy. I think you have so much to offer. I do think that um, you clearly have done all of your work, and it shows. It shows in in how you present yourself to the world. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I love what you're doing and helping other people clear their cobwebs out so that they can be more clear vessels. I think we need a lot more of that in this world. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. 
until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.